Incoming transmission. Hello, everyone. Um, Captain Chase here, and uh, I wanted to first off um, say thank you to each and every one of you for your patience as we get back to producing episodes for you. Now, this particular episode was recorded um, beginning of February uh, when a lot of stuff was actually happening for um, for me. So uh, for anyone that's known me uh, for a while or that's heard me talk about it, uh, talk about some of these things um, on the episodes, um, as, you'll, as you'll hear in this episode um, about um, the either the, the arrival of a boy or a girl that we um, had just found out about the day before this recording, and um, uh, in fact, two days following this recording, uh, my mother had passed away. So uh, this has been a, um, uh, a delay in getting an episode out for y'all. And um, I'll talk more about it uh, to a certain extent, um, you know, in like a, in a catch-up session that um, I'll record here in the, the near future, um, either for um, like some stuff that we have planned or, or whatever. So um, anyways, thank you um, for, uh, again, for your patience. Um, and thank you for um, those that have also reached out um, since since um, it all happened uh, to extend your your prayers, your condolences. Um, it's it's meant, meant the world to me. And um, it's, it's definitely impacted um, the creative process with being able to get content out, um, let alone edit content that was created. So um, I'm hoping there won't be um, these long uh, delays like there have been. Um, the following that we do have, I want you all to know this means so much to me that y'all tune in and listen um, on the regular and that you support by, you know, sharing, that you support by listening, um, and even for those of you that support financially on our Patreon um, or through buying t-shirts or whatever it might be, um, whatever your support has been, um, has been uh, priceless. So thank you for that. Um, So with this preface with this little message um, coming on. Uh, with that, I, um, I'd i like for you to be introduced to our Star Trek Discovery Season 3 retrospective. So um, enjoy. Gentlemen, welcome back for um, for a little retro action. We uh, we have finished up doing a little talky talk on um, you know the week week by week stuff with disco, and now here we are coming back to to examine our emotions and our thoughts a little bit more um, with this particular season. And joining me. On this, I have Lieutenant Commander Benji and Lieutenant Commander Fido. Welcome back, guys. So good to have you back. Did we magically turn into dogs? Apparently. I don't know. I don't know. It just felt right, so I went with it. And um, anyways, to get us, <laughs> maybe to get us into the mood for um, our retro, 
I mean, I think this is appropriate, right? Little little disco music, little funk. That's one way to do it. So anyway, everyone, I hope you hope you guys are enjoying um, life and whatever's going on um, in your corner of the the galaxy um, as we start this voyage to talk about some uh, retrospective on Discovery season three. That's a Star Trek show, by the way. And um, in all in all fairness, I do have Lieutenant Commander um, Eric and Lieutenant Commander David here with me, formerly known as Benji and Fido. So um, anyway. Welcome back, guys. How have you been? I feel like it's been forever since we've I've had a conversation with either of you. But in reality, I mean, it's been like, what, a week for Eric? And it's been, I think, about two weeks with David. Well, it's been a long year, Chase. It's, it's been a long talk. year already, and we're only in the second month. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have the chance to grow my hair out or anything like that, but it's it's been a long year, man. Mm, that yeah, one year. Yeah, we're going to keep bringing up how long of a year it's been (laughs) i've changed i've changed a lot in this year have you you went from a human to a dog and back to a human look at you yeah i mean i've changed ranks i've jumped universes it's been great Mm. you were also um, a first officer for a hot second there too Vincent first officer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Sorry to sorry to put that vibe out there. Just uh, you know, memes. We're starting off with a with a great 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 start. <laughs> oh shoot. Yeah, yeah, you know, Chase and I, we talked last week on the, the live stream. We gave out our awards. So that was, I had a lot of fun doing that, um, you know. It was also very fun going back to um, watch some of those episodes and find some of the clips that we that we made for that, just to relive some of those moments that were yeah. both, like, the highs and the lows. Yep, the absolute best, even the best of the worst. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like, that's on our um, our Facebook page if anyone wants to watch it. So there you go. But Discovery season three uh, took home some awards that night. They did. What was the breakdown? It was like I think seven, five, yeah. three, something like that. Yeah, Picard won seven. Um, Discovery won five, and Lower Decks won three. Yeah. So it was it was uh, pretty evenly split for the most part for the award yeah. show, kind of. So anyway. Well, um, so for anyone in listener land, um, just a quick update. Um, I know David saw it. Eric, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I just found out uh, just yesterday that um, I'm going to have a son. So I am so stinking excited about that. And um, anyway, I, I thought I was going to wake the dead whenever um, the, the person doing like the, the sonogram stuff like got to it and they're like whoop like what is that what what's that whoop mean <laughs> and I'm um, like do you want to know I'm like of course I want to know I'm like squeezing my my wife's arm right now really hard I want to know and um I think we were the only one in the office I hope to god we were because I was like 
Yes! But like a lot louder. So, so you didn't go yes when you learned you were having a daughter the first time? Oh, no, I did. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I did see the video you posted where you're like, you have lightsabers in the woods, and you found I figured that when you, you lit the one and it was blue, that, that that meant you were having a boy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I made... That was pretty clever. As far as gender reveals go, I mean, that's probably the best one I've ever seen. There we go. Yeah, I mean, good. most of them were kind of like just boring and dumb, but you had like a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah. And I the mean, fact that you, the fact that you have a wife that is also into that sort of thing is like awesome. That's a true story. I love you, honey. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that that pay that pays off. It, it could be made very awkward if your significant other is not into that at all. Right. Right. Yeah, Why do you like, have listen, me out in the woods? You're, Drop you're like, it. You're like, listen, listen, honey. I've got a great idea. And then you tell her, and she looks at you like, boy, are you an idiot? There's no way in hell I'm doing that. <laughs> so I got I to gotta give props to the person who kind of um, inspired like the concept a little bit. Um, it was probably a month ago at least um, by now maybe more that we were having lunch as a family and uh, my brother-in-law we were kind of like trying to figure out like how we're gonna you know make the announcement uh, of like if we're having a boy or girl and we weren't really thinking too much about it. I mean it's like the second kid like you make a big deal out of the first one but maybe, maybe not the second one and um, I w we were just kind of joking around about like different fandoms and stuff like that like i have like a pink beam in particle or a blue beam in particle or or something like that um and we were we were all all of us at the table were talking about the mandalorian and my brother-in-law was like what if you use lightsabers like you all had lightsabers or something i'm like i like where you're going with this and um originally the video the reveal video was going to end up being like maybe five minutes long and I was going to turn off commenting so no one would know <laughs> what it would be so they'd have to watch to the end but then I'm like no I'm I don't have enough time to do all that after effects stuff so no so I mean it was it was like what I think a minute 52 seconds for the video that I posted short enough gets to the yeah. point five minutes would have been way too long <laughs> like I can skip to the end here I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, what you need to do for your follow-up video when he's born, then you do the B-Men thing and you actually have the baby. Right. Yeah, yeah. where she's sitting there and then the B-Men effects and then the baby <laughs> yeah. in the hand. There we go. Yeah. I can do that. That'd be sick. Yeah, Just but I gotta, take, I gotta take a little bit of offense to what you said there, though. It's like, the second kid, no one no one really cares about that one. <laughs> I think I'm the only one out of the three of us who's the second kid, right? I know, Chase, you're an only child, and Damn. David, you have a younger brother. Well, uh, I you don't, don't claim all that. I mean, technically, I am a middle child, oh, okay. but the way that all works right. is kind of kooky. So. Okay. Well, I know I am the second child in my family, and like, I'm the favorite. Like, like not my brother. I'm the favorite. Look, Eric, we love you too. Okay. <laughs> we have no, we wish no ill will towards you. I'm not gonna go you know open an airlock and you know donkey stomp you out of it okay i mean we, we like you but right. but but you know like Thank you. In, in all fairness though like what, what i'm getting at is 
you know, when the first when the first baby comes, like it's a big to do. Like, oh my gosh, you have a kid, and not that a second child isn't like a joyous moment because it is. I mean, like I'm so very excited to be having a son now, and um, but like you just don't see like the same pomp and circumstance that you do with the first child. That's really what I'm getting at. Like the the baby yeah. showers and the yeah, that's absolutely uh, true though. All all that well, stuff, yeah. you know. You just don't see it. So, but I loved when I found out that I was having a daughter, you know, three and a half years ago, four years ago, whatever it was by now, four years ago. Good grief. And um, now with a son, like I thought I was going to wake the dead when I found out I was having a son. So my boy will be here in June. I got to say my brother and his wife just had a baby boy on January 1st. Um, And like last summer, they, when they found out what it was going to be, they sent me a picture of the sonogram. And I was like, how the heck do you tell that that's a boy? Like, like literally, the I, like, I, no, no. The picture they sent me, I was like, that doesn't look like anything. It looks like uh, like something I used to do in physics called Lyapunov diagram. And I'm like, that is not a human being that you're showing me. Yeah. It's like you have to really know what to look for to decipher mm-hmm. those things. Well, mm-hmm. now you can do those 3D like the 3D sonograms, which personally I think look freaky. Like I haven't seen one of those. Like, oh, that's cute. No, that's a little tiny alien. Is that like how in 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 Voyager when Tom and Bolana are having a daughter, they do the little like 3D imaging of it? Oh goodness. Well, I mean, even like the, yeah, like those 3D like baby imaging things. Like that's creepy as heck too. Like, because they look like like a big old pile of clay that... Yeah. Well, it's well weird. listen, baby, babies when they're first born, listen, I know it's your kid and you love it, but they're kind of ugly. They're like, they're like wet and red because they've been in a sack of water for like nine <laughs> months. And they're like, they're, they're not proportioned correctly, right? Their head is a little too big and like... They're not, they're not that attractive, newborn babies. Mm-hmm. But like, let's be honest. Everybody tweeted Eric. Eric hates kids. <laughs> Hashtag Eric hates kids. <laughs> He'll never get it, but it's it's fine. <laughs> oh shoot! So yeah, baby boy will be beaming in in June, and life will get even more interesting than it already is. So um, I'm already announcing the cancellation of this show. Just kidding. That's not gonna. So, this'll uh, be this'll be where you want to be. Like, man, been so busy over there, I need I need an escape. Eric, I know we talked yeah. like five minutes ago, but can we find something else to talk about like right now? David, do you know of a good Star Trek book we can read like and talk about like five minutes from now? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll start to have some three hour long podcasts in there. <laughs> That's it? Just need to stay away as long as I... I'm recording. I'm recording. You take care the of it. The light's on. The light by the door is on. God, why are there so many three-part episodes of this show? <laughs> it's a nine-hour-long episode that we shot in one take. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the first These Are the Voyages 12-hour stream. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, my, my kids would never see me. That's... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's a bad thing, by the way. That's a bad. That's a bad. That's a bad. That's a bad dad right there. (laughs) 
you end up with um, not well-adjusted kids like Michael Burnham. Okay, we're bringing, we're segueing, <laughs> we're bringing it back, we're bringing it back. That gum. Oh man. Well, um, have you guys been okay though? Y'all been doing all right, apart from like live streaming and talking about books. Y'all good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything's been going okay. It's snowed like nuts here in Ohio. You know, I, I shovel my older neighbor's driveway along with my own, and it sucks. I'm going to continue to say that until it stops snowing. So maybe in a, you know, six months or so, because Ohio's insane. But yeah, no, just same old, same old. The clock turns. I'm at home. We work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember what year it was, but I know it was my birthday um, in Michigan. Um, it was maybe 2007, I want to say. And um, I think it snowed May twenty first, two thousand seven, like almost June, almost I June, I, and it snowed. I think I remember that Chase. Yeah. Right, it was like basically snowing around Memorial Day. Yeah, what's up with that? That ain't right, man. So I I used no. to say like once you hit like May, you're in the clear. Now I say once you hit Memorial Day, you're in the clear, in in the, in the Midwest. Yeah. Well, and you. You and Michigan are, you know, obviously farther north than I am here in, you know, somewhat northern middle Ohio. Um, but you just never, you never know what to what to expect. And even like the northern side of the East Coast, you know, New York, Maine, Vermont, all that good stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've been through there driving through just like walls of snow on a highway. It's, it's pretty wild. So all of you folks that are in, you know. Oh, it's always 70. Oh, it's a little chilly at 60. I better put on a jacket. Well, I, put I just on a want to jack you so bad. <laughs> I just want to just elbow, just elbow straight to the face. Um, it, 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 sort of a, not a great story, but when I was in high school, both my dad and my grandpa both had to have hernia surgery. Mm. Same time. During the winter, got all that done, and then Ohio got hit with an ice storm. It just, everything froze over, like literally like an inch solid of ice on everything. We were trapped in my grandparents' house. I mean, because legitimately it was not safe to drive. You had these two guys fresh off a hernia surgery, like laying down because they can't do anything, huddled around one of those giant old kerosene heaters we're boiling water off of. We had a little camp stove to make eggs in the morning with. And here I am like upstairs in this room in this bed, like huddled under a you know, a pile of blankets with like two pairs of socks on and my coat trying to sleep, you know, when it's like, you know, 20 degrees and in the house, you know, type of deal. I mean, just don't live here. Okay. Just don't. (laughs) Man. Yeah. Well, speaking of not living here let's not live here anymore let's let's go into the future and and talk about some well-adjusted children like eric was talking about oh yeah so um <clears throat> you know we we spent 13 weeks going through each episode ad nauseum i am not looking to do an another ad nauseum kind of thing for each discussion of these episodes um i think you know, what we can do is we can talk kind of generally about maybe highlights either overall or maybe like pick some highlights from each of the episodes, perhaps maybe some not so much and maybe 
was our mind kind of changed at all about um, the overall season or particular episodes um, in general and kind of see where that takes us. So um, as we go along, um, I'll kind of bring up maybe some of our ratings that we've talked about as well um, over the seasons. um, And we'll eventually kind of talk about like what those what that data, what the descriptive statistics of some kind kind of looks like um, in the end. So how's that sound, gents? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. How's that sound, y'all in listener land? I can't hear you. You need to turn your mic on. <laughs> they're not talking back, so I guess they're okay with it. Unless they're yelling at their car speaker right now. Like I always think Eric is yelling at me when I don't know an episode name. But you're not. You're never yelling. You're just I'm gently prodding. Just, you're gently just, saying, just, no, you mean this <laughs> Yeah, I know whenever you're like, oh, I'm going to go look up the episode, and I'm just like, I know the name of this episode. I know the name of this episode. <laughs> That's Terra Nova, by the way. Star Trek Enterprise, season one, episode six. There we go. Episode seven, right? Six or seven, depending on where you're watching it, but yes. Oh, okay, depending upon if you consider Broken Bow one or two episodes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. So... Um, Discovery Season 3 uh, premiered back in um, October, um, if, my math, if I'm mathing correctly, if I'm calendaring correctly. And um, we start off with um, Burnham arriving in the future and falling out of space, the woman that fell from the universe, and shenanigans ensue. We find out there's this thing about uh, the burn, and we meet Book and a space worm and a weird ship that can turn into like origami stuff all along the way. So um, now that we're, you know, definitely more than 13 weeks removed from it, um, has your opinion changed about um, this particular um, episode? Uh, We had all pretty much sung its praises. Um, Eric, you gave it an 8.7, David at 8.2, and I gave it an eight and a half. So, um, so yeah. What do you, what are your thoughts on now that we're we're we've finished the season and it's way way beyond us now? I gotta say, I I yeah, really it was good, it was... I really enjoyed that first episode. I thought that um, you know coming off of you know seasons one and two, I thought it was a dramatic improvement over it, pretty much. Pretty much everything we had seen. I'm not going to say this is the best episode of Star Trek Discovery ever, but it's it's definitely in the top three or four episodes, right? It was really good. Okay. It was it was really enjoyable. Um, the ending scene there with uh, you know Mr. Sahil and he's just he's waiting for hope. I thought was a really good message, and and you know it was it was all Michael Burnham. I know Michael Burnham is not any of our favorite characters here, but mm-hmm. I think it was a really gutsy decision to focus the episode solely on her and not even have you know the titular ship involved mm-hmm. and I think it really worked I think it really worked yeah yeah I mean it, speaking in generalities I think the first half of the season for me was definitely better than the second half of the season but yeah I mean it, it was a it was a good episode I don't feel any any need to amend ratings for it I mean I it's sad because we we seem to talk quite a bit about like overacting specifically for for the Burnham character later on and I I remember talking about like the emotion she had 
when realizing that the universe still moves on, there's life and everything. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was really good. And yeah, I mean, just the overall feeling just seemed right for the start of a start of a show. So, I, I I feel no need to amend that rating. I think that that feels still feels pretty accurate for me. Yeah, and and like I was telling um, some folks over at uh, the Center Seat Podcast um, when I was I did another live stream with them on uh, Thursday, and I had brought up I'd asked some of the folks like what their favorite you know moments were. Uh, from the season and I said that you know mine was like very much bookended uh, with with Sahil and you know them being at the station and then him like seeing the full realization you know he's he's wearing you know the lieutenant rank and he's wearing the operations uniform and just seeing him again um, beyond just you know end of season or end of episode one and a little bit a little bit at the beginning of episode two um, I, I loved it and you know, I think the the hope that that hope message has been kind of garbled um, over the last few seasons, and like that's what we've been kind of begging for in a way. Like we want to see a more hopeful, optimistic, higher order kind of message coming through with Star Trek, um, and and I think it it hit it hit the nail on the head. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm with y'all. So um, yeah, yeah, and I would say that. If the purpose of your season premiere is to set up the story that you're going to to have this season, rather than like cliffhanging in from the last season into this one, and there is kind of a little bit of a cliffhanger there, but it's not like the season finale and the season premiere are the same episode, like a best of both worlds or a redemption, right? Mm-hmm. So this, if the purpose of this episode is to set up your season and like what this season is going to be about. I think it accomplishes that very well, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole concept of the burn and the Federation, you know, not being what it was, you know, whether or not it delivered on that premise and that setup is a, is a different thing entirely. Right. But I think it definitely set up the situation very well. Yeah. So this, this particular episode based on our ratings, um, this was an episode rating, um, of an 8.46 repeating, so an 8.47 or 8.5, whatever you want, however you want to slice that, which I think is pretty, pretty accurate. It's actually, you know, I mean, I I usually just look at like IMDb mm-hmm. because they tend to have a lot of ratings for mm-hmm. most things. 7.2, yeah. 3,717 ratings. Interesting. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people. If you, I mean, I think if you probably go. And oh no 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 yeah yeah. I get break you. that down a little bit farther. There's probably a lot of ones and a lot of tens, yeah. right? If you break that down. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like 353 people voted that episode a one, which I, I don't yeah. think there's any justification for giving that episode. A, I, I don't I, either. No, like you, you, you take it. Yeah, you take it with trolls. a grain of those salt. Those are just for trolls. sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, ge- generally speaking, that this is the page that usually gets the highest volume of ratings, at least that I've seen. So at one point, at one point it was, um, at one point it was rotten tomatoes, but I know rotten tomatoes had, they, I think it was around the time that captain Marvel came out that their rating system changed because people were just rating bombing captain Marvel even before it came out. So they had to tweak things. So, I mean, I think a lot of, 
I'm not going to say all, but a good chunk of people used to use the Rotten Tomatoes um, rating system more than IMDb, um, to be honest. And, that, and honestly, that was me. Like, I used to well, check out Rotten Tomatoes more than IMDb, yeah. to be completely honest. Well, the, the only problem with Rotten Tomatoes is, and this it hasn't exactly changed, sometimes you have, like, really high critic scores and really low audience scores and vice versa. So sometimes it's really hard to get, like, a medium behind that mm. i i don't know but yeah i mean i understand what you're saying it, it, for a while there it was a lot of people's premiere rating site but uh, it's tough anymore yeah well with um with our next one you know being um uh, far from home episode two um you know we're seeing the the other half with with discovery finally arriving in the future and shoot at, at the OK Corral type of thing. And uh, Eric, I know you really like this episode a lot. Yeah, I am a big fan of Westerns. Like, I, I really love the Western, Clint Eastwood, you know. Yeah. Right? Clint Eastwood's my favorite, even more so than John Wayne. Um, you know, the, the, the saloon, the stranger walks into the saloon and nobody wants him there. And, like, the bat wing doors and then... You know, you got your bad guy who comes in, you know, and he's Zara. I swear, he's not wearing spurs, but they do like the spur sound effect when Zara walks in. Like, yeah. it's really cool. And I, and I think that a lot of us were very confused by the That Hope Is You Part 1 at the beginning. And we were like, well, is this is this Far From Home supposed to be Part 2? Because it was written by the same people and then directed yeah. by the same people. And we're like, oh, okay, this is the two-part that they're talking about. They just didn't call them to say, like... Like in um, Deep Space Nine, a lot of two-part episodes didn't have like part one and part two. It's like the die is cast and Improbable Cause was a two-part episode, but mm-hmm. they didn't have the same name. But I, I really enjoyed that, and I thought it was as a good idea. You know, okay, episode one is Burnham comes to the future. Episode two is the Discovery comes to the future. And I, I kind of would have liked it if they were separate for a little bit more rather than just Burnham coming in right at the end. If they had taken like maybe till episode four where they had gotten together because they like each has to figure out this future for themselves right but mm-hmm. on the whole i still think it's a really good episode yeah there's um when i was thinking about like the the two-part thing um it reminded me of of something and um david will know this because um, i know he's he's a, a hooligan he's a hoovian like i am um and that was um, there's a very famous two-part episode uh, from the first season of the of the reboot reimagined whatever continuation series basically with Christopher Eccleston who plays the ninth Doctor and it's the two-parter with uh, the gas mask kit and part one is the empty child and part two is the Doctor dances which are really weird names like when you think about like the story. And, like, you really understand, like, why the Doctor dances, like, in, like, the final few minutes, which is dumb. But, yeah, like, to, to your, uh, that's, that was, that was, like, a weird tangent. But, yeah, like, there, there aren't always consecutive, like, part one, part two. I mean, you would see that in other franchises. But I think um, Deep Space Nine, like you said, Eric, and especially now Discovery is playing on that, like the non-continuation type of thing. So, um, 
David, what, I mean, what do you think about Far From Home, like with, with Zara and the the Western vibe of it? I don't remember the rating I gave for this one. What, what did I give rating wise? Seven point one. Okay. Well, wasn't that, that was one of the episodes that you, that I, you weren't here? Right? Yeah, I, I wasn't able to join for whatever reason. I but um, so it was it was fine. It, it it was like a it, it just to me it was just it was it was a little bit better than fine episode, um, I you know the the struggle of the Discovery's crew away from Michael trying to figure out where they're at how they can I mean get out of this ice parasitical <laughs> prison thing I I think I do remember um, texting Chase at the time about the Spurs so. I love Westerns too. And I watched, I mean like all of Clint Eastwood's Westerns. I actually found like John Wayne to be slightly cheesy at times, but that was film at that time. So for me, the Eastwood Westerns always felt more impactful because they were a little bit more serious, but this is actually a criticism I had in the Mandalorian too. If you're going to make spur noises, you need to have spurs. Just adding in the sound effect is is too cheesy for me. So that I do remember. I think I just texted Chase about that. I was like, "What the hell was with the spurs? He's not wearing them, but they're adding in a sound of spurs, and it just sort of seemed like it, I, I like a little bit of realism. But again, they had that in the Mandalorian too, and I didn't understand that. It's like, why would why would Mando be wearing spurs? He doesn't ride a horse. Uh, he rode that thing from that quill, <laughs> that quill, the Ugnaught game, True. whatever that thing was. And that would make sense for that episode, but past that, I just didn't really understand. So any, anyway, aside from that, I mean, you know, the the semi-small-time bandit uh, thing and, and with the miners, and, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad story, but I, I just felt myself um, slipping a little bit just with characters and and it's just it's it's a complaint that i had throughout the entire the entire show but it wasn't bad it wasn't in my opinion well and obviously by rating as well it wasn't as good as the um the first episode for me but it, it did help set up kind of an interesting interesting premise and then obviously our get together towards the end so but not a bad episode just i just couldn't love it yeah, and I wanted to see more of um, of the of the aliens that were were there at the bar. You know, that like are introducing us to programmable matter and being able to fix our our Mister Coffee radio amplifier thing, our Keurig inst- Instapot kind of thing. Um, I want I wanted to see more of that. Like it just it felt like such a throwaway, and um, I think I think I've. I mean, this is headcanon, okay? Like with the whole the jingling of the spurs. I think I got it, guys. You ready for this? There are spurs that are placed all throughout, you know, the flooring. It's underneath the floor. See? Problem solved. Just like that. Boom. Nailed it. And, um, yeah, like it, this, I, I mean, I, maybe I was a little, a little harsh in like my words whenever I, I first was talking about like this with Eric, but I mean, I still stand by my rating and maybe 
I shouldn't have said some of the things that I said like about the Western, but um, it was just it was just an all right episode. I mean, I gave it a seven point seven five. Eric gave it an eight, and David gave it a seven one, which um, averages out to seven point six. So, pretty decent, pretty decent. All right, um, people of Earth, people of Earth, episode three. Um, this was, I gotta say, like, I, I will say this after we did our, our awards and like, we're seeing all the, all the considerations for the nominees, especially the, uh, the great bird award, which this was a nominee for, which ultimately won the great bird. Um, I've, I've, and after, you know, looking at it again, I do appreciate this episode more than I did in its original viewing of it. I think this is a great episode. Um, I think it's an episode that's worthy of taking another look at, even if we only look at the tree and the former site of Starfleet Academy for like a hot second. So looking back and maybe reviewing um, this particular episode, I mean, has this changed at all for you? Um, either your rating or, or opinion or, or whatever. What were the ratings? So, um, I gave it a seven four, Eric a six seven, and David you gave it a seven one. I actually enjoyed it better That's on a rewatch. I actually th- I, I I don't know. I I think that uh, I, again it, it boils down to like the the kind of the vibe of this and then the following episode. I actually think I liked better than my first viewing. They're kind of. Um, uh, what, what exactly would I call it? Like in, in a box episodes, you, you know, they, they start kind of a, a trend of maybe one or two in a neat little box, you know, where you have, yeah, self-contained. So you kind of have a, a you know, little, little problem, you know, you're, you're, you go to earth, earth defense force or whatever the heck they were called, you know, mm-hmm. a, a xenophobic sort of earth type of deal who's standing away from the Federation standing on their own. Um, you know, you meet Adira in here as well, who's one of the inspectors. And then you're dealing with the, um, the, uh, Marauders. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact name from, uh, Titan. And I, I don't know. I, I thought it was like an, the, the bow was tied up pretty quickly, but sometimes I also enjoy that type of television where you don't have the continual arc mm-hmm. and you can kind of wrap up a problem in one episode. So I actually think I liked it a little bit better than I did the first time. I, it, it, but as far as rating, I wouldn't bump it like crazy much higher. I mean, uh, you, you, I'm sorry, you said seven, one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it might pop a like a seven, four, something like that. If I had to re-rate, okay. but I won't. Yeah, so I think for me, I was a little harsh on this episode. I think my biggest criticism is that, you know, we're going back to Earth 900 years later, and this should be a big, memorable moment. And I I think I said at the time, like, in five years, I'm not sure we're going to remember this episode. And I think that's a problem. And I think that's what contributed to my lower rating. But I think you're definitely right. When you 
when you watch this again, it's it's. I was way too hard on this episode, and I was I was very critical of Jonathan Frakes too because this is he directed this episode, and I I agree that I felt like you know it was kind of wrapped up a little too quickly with uh, you know Burnham's plan to take out Book's ship and and do whatever, and then they you know magically were able to beam the the Marauder guy out. I forget his name as well. But I, re- I really do think that this is this is a much better episode than than I than I that I gave it credit for at the beginning because I think it definitely has that great message at the end of just hey, you know, hey I'm from Earth originally we're all human and mm-hmm. and uh, you know let's just talk to each other and and open up a dialogue and it it really it's a better episode right I'm I'm I don't know what I was thinking back at the time right. And so I think I would. Bu- I know I gave it a six point seven. I would definitely bump this up to somewhere around like a seven, seven five, seven six. Okay. So you you had a much more positive. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, much more positive. Rewatch of it. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think I said this at the time. And I'm going Doctor Who again, but like this one hundred percent reminded me of the doc, the twelfth Doctor's speech in the Zygon inversion, where he's. They're the the twin Claras, or no, no, no. There's there's um, Zygon, Clara, and uh, the unit commander, and they're just standing over these boxes. And he's talking about like the pain that he's felt and the need to just shut up, sit down, and start listening and talking to each other. And um, I think that that's a message that we can always get behind, especially in the day and age that we live now, and probably stuff that we're going to continue to experience as time goes on so yeah very very good episode and i mean I, i'm sticking with my my seven four i mean if i were to bump it it'd probably be like a tenth of a point but i mean good episode and i i, I like it more my, my rewatch than i did on the initial viewing even if the rating stays the same so all right any, I mean, has there been anything else that y'all wanted to add that maybe we've just kind of glossed over with the, these first three episodes? No, I feel like I feel like once we get to episode five, I think we'll have we'll have like a definite like a recap of those first five episodes, and then we'll yeah we'll we'll change from there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, Forget Me Not is episode four. So just to recap the ratings on Forget Me Not, um, David, you gave it an eight and a half. Eric, you gave it a six. And I gave it an eight. Solid eight. Yeah, so so I, I'm just looking at this right now on IMDb here. This episode has a 6.3 rating on IMDb, and there yeah. are 484 people that gave it a one. Like, okay, so... I gave it a six, and and I remember why, and I remember it was I was very critical of this episode at the time because I was like bait and switch. They literally like the these these writers bait and switched us. They said, "Hey, we're op- gonna open on a me- on a medical officer's log, and we're gonna follow Doctor Colbert as he's as he's mm-hmm. going around talking to all mm-hmm. the crew, and he's talking with with um, Saru about what the crew needs, and then they were like, "Hey, we're gonna send Adira and our medical officer down, and then." Nope, pull the rug right out from under us and send Michael Burnham down. And it's like, why does the show continue to do this? Like, this is the why couldn't both Dr. Colbert and Michael Burnham go down? Why did it have to be one or the other? Yeah. And I was just like, why did you do this to us? And they have this conversation where where Colbert's like, 
you should be the one to go down with her because her problem's not medical. It's emotional. And you're the person to, to help her emotionally. And I was like, what? She's was raised on Vulcan, in the Vulcan way, and you're telling her to go be the emotional support? I'm like, like that doesn't make any sense. And so I was just like, and I was like, the writers are just, they're just effing with us right here. They're like, they're messing with us. And I'm like, and it just made, and so I was like, six, because I'm just mad, I'm hot in the moment. But like, look, but like, looking back, looking back on this episode, this, this is a really good episode, actually. Like, I enjoy the heck out of this episode on a rewatch, right? You know, once I've gotten some distance from it. And, like, that six, that six that I gave it is totally unjustified, right? I know you, like, totally unjustified because I think, I just think from, like, the whole concept of going down to Trill and the Trill people, are they're so happy originally to learn that someone is coming, a symbiote is coming home, and then they're so disappointed, and you have this planet that's in need of some definite healing, and I think that's something that we wa- that I wanted this show to explore more as it went along is planets in need of healing, and and I think by the end of this episode we've reached that point where where this planet is is like they're like we've accepted Adira because she's accepted by the symbiote and and the the leader of Trill is like I would be honored if you would stay here with us and I will help you on this journey and then we can see this starting to heal and. And I really like that. And then the visuals in the spaghetti room, I know you call it, I think are, are still stunning. And and I really do, I like the setup of the Adira and Gray relationship. Whether or not the follow-through is, is worked is a different story entirely. But I really enjoyed this episode on a rewatch. And that, that six is totally unjustified. I think I would definitely bump this up to like a seven, eight or a seven, nine, like and modify my rating. Do you want the record to reflect that? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So prior to your edit, by the way, this had an episode um, average by us as a uh, 7.5. With your modification, that bumps it up to an 8.13. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I what would you say, 8.4? 8.5 for you. Eight, uh, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I I think I think that's maybe just a tad bit too generous. Uh, I, I'm not gonna change it because I I don't know. I I'm fine with with it, but I I, I enjoyed rewatching it. Still enjoyed rewatching it. Um, the only problem that I have is looking through the lens of you know what would have been really cool is having a big Colber episode with Adira. The other thing that annoys me a bit is that we never actually got any real explanation of why a human can carry a Trill symbiote, and we never got an explanation as to why Adira can see gray. And so... I, I don't want to look at it through the lens of the entire season, but... Those were a couple of things that I thought would have been really cool to have explored. At least the symbiote part. At least give me some scientific or random explanation as to how biologically that she can carry a symbiote. Like, you know, your species has evolved to the point where, you know, you're compatible or, you know, it's actually more to do with the symbiote. And they're, 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 
they have choice in this, but they just chose the trill for so long, and now they can choose whoever. Uh, humans or, you know, you get a... God, what a, what would happen if a Vulcan carried one? That would be a mine, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I just... I, I think that... I think that it's still a great episode. And again, it's a nice little kind of bow. Nice little bow episode. We have, you know, a little bit more furtherance with, with Burnham. We have the Adira uh, sort of drama play out a little bit. And then they have the coordinates now to find Starfleet pretty quickly, pretty evenly. Uh, you know, Senatol was able to give give it up. Give me them coordinates. And then we play a cello. So pretty sick. Um but yeah, I, I, if if I had to, if I were thinking about re-rating, I would probably drop it just a couple of points, like maybe an eight-two, uh, to be a little bit more realistic. But I, I'm fine with sticking with the with what it was then. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, maybe you know what you're saying about you know perhaps the 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 symbiote had symbiote symbiont, however it's pronounced, the the sim. However, it had um, evolved. Maybe you know. It, maybe it was kind of like a carnivore, you know, becoming like an omnivore or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so the T Rex turned into like a Stegosaurus or something. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. It grew a club tail and just went away. You know, it's great. It's fine. It's fine. Hugh the it's got Jurassic bigger Park arms music. now. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, no, I, I I loved I loved this episode, um, and my my rating still stands. I mean, Spaghetti Warehouse and everything. It's it still stands. Um, and and I know okay. that I, okay. I know, but ser- seriously, on that note, have you actually been to a Spaghetti Warehouse? I have because that's a that's a big thing in Columbus, Ohio. Is the Spaghetti Warehouse? Yeah, I have. Okay, good to know. In <laughs> no fact, no one I, else knows what that is. <laughs> so I drove. Um, I drove when Eric was in town. Um, I took him through the stockyards and we went up and around like just doing like the touristy tour of Fort Worth. And I was like, hey, you see this big mansion looking building right here up on the hill? Like that used to be a spaghetti warehouse and it was like so stinking cool and delicious and stuff like that. And then it shut down. I don't know how many years ago. There is still at least one spaghetti warehouse that I know of in walking distance from um, the Dallas World Aquarium in downtown Dallas. And um, I went there, and it's sucker's massive. Like, it's not two or three story like most of the ones I know of, but it's, like, really freaking long. It's, like, as long as a football field, I swear. But, anyways, if you're ever in town and you want to go to a spaghetti warehouse with me, David, or Eric, or anyone, just let me know. We'll, we'll go Dutch. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, but man. But I'm not Dutch. Well, that's... I guess that's a problem, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. I like Dutch beer. I'm watching Miracle on Disney Plus, and I think they play the Dutch at some point. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> that's a thing, apparently. Die trying. Die trying. Episode five. So we are introduced to the donut we are introduced to the Dadmiral's donut car wash in this episode and we we see all the funky looking ships and 
the Dadmiral being very apprehensive about these this crew that was supposedly killed off, you know, 900 some odd years ago. And they had to prove whole, themselves. Their whole, their whole existence is like a crime because of the temporal wars mm-hmm. and the temporal accords. Which, if you think about it, how are the temporal accords even like enforceable? Like, so if I'm from the past and I'm traveling to the future, I don't know about the temporal accords. So how can you yeah. hold me responsible for rule for a law that was written after I was it's, traveled to the future? It's like house rules that are made up on the spot. Like, 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 if you play like Candyland or Horse or War or whatever, or Blackjack. I mean, you make up rules on the spot, like with with house rules, and that's and that's basically what's happening with with, <laughs> with what they're saying with the the temporal accords. Yeah, but I, I I really like this episode. It's like Michael Burnham is like the eager student. I just I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself, and and I think you know later on she gets into some problems because of this right but i i do when they go to the seed ship i i really enjoyed this mission to the seed ship right there they've got to like go to this seed ship somehow to figure out a cure for these people that are dying whatever that whatever the actual setup is but like we have a real like away team we have the first officer a security officer and a medical officer like that's an away team and they're going on a mission and mission and there's you know some problems on that mission and and it just it had a great star trek feel to me that part of it and i really enjoyed that part of the episode um and then but it was like weird because we're doing that and then saru stayed behind as the captain to make sure that like they could be trusted somehow which kind of felt a little weird but okay and like future lieutenant joined the ship with them Mm -hmm. i don't know I don't know, I, but I, I definitely enjoyed the actual mission part of it to the seed ship. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like Saru was staying behind, kind of like you hand over your Rolex or your or your driver's less license, yeah. you know, as like collateral. Collateral. Yeah. <laughs> what what did what did we rate this one? You would ask that question. What I would. You would. Okay. So, uh, Eric gave it a seven and a quarter, and so did I. And David, you gave it a seven eight. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, to Eric's point, it was, it felt like a, you know, kind of a classic mission. You, you, you have to go on a mission to solve a problem. Again, kind of a little bow episode again. We're still kind of in that vein. Um, the, the only thing that I, and again, this is looking through the lens of the season. The only thing that I regret <clears throat> is that we lose not. And we, again, we're, we're sort of forced to not really have those uh, away crews or, you know, your, your standard crew that go, just goes down and handles stuff. And she would have been the highest. I mean, she was a she lieutenant was a commander. commander, full commander, full commander. Well, was she a full commander or yeah. a lieutenant commander? I could have swore she was full commander. Because that seems like an awful lot of full commanders on this ship, right? Well, I mean, she she would have been the highest rank behind Saru and I guess Burnham, depending on yeah. how you juxtapose that. But like, 
I mean, next up we have like Lieutenant Nielsen, and well, I mean, well, do we have? She she was Stamps. full commander, by the way. Well, uh, Stamets, Stamets is I, yeah. a lieutenant commander, but I don't think he's in like the strict command structure because yeah, he's but, just a scientist. Yeah, who is he? You know what? How does yeah? How does he? And again, that that's another flipping question. But uh, all I'm saying is that I think that she would have made a really interesting character as a first officer. Like I I think you could. But I'm sorry, I'm trying to develop characters in a cohesive crew. My bad, Star Trek Discovery. I just thought that she was a neat character, and I thought that because you only had glimpses of her in season two, there wasn't like a whole bunch of non in there, but I thought you could have developed her to have been like this sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe somewhat semi-rigid first officer who you kind of break down throughout the season to be more a part of the crew as like a family sort of thing because that's a big like spaghetti warehouse family style type of you know crew we have here I just would have liked to have seen her continue and and unfortunately this starts this flipping trend that I cannot stand about Apparently, we're only paying like half of these people $10 to show up on this show because like Reno just shows up sometimes with black licorice and then she's gone forever uh, in into the temporal void. And that was a joke I think I made at some point around here. Like, are we just missing crew because the burn's taking them or something? But <laughs> I, I just really wanted to see non-continue and just seeing her go off. It's like, I understand, but bring her back. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, help me felt, out. It, it felt really odd because they they added Rachel Ann Cheryl, the actress, into the opening credits. Yeah, like and and then why why add her to the opening credits if we're gonna get three episodes of her basically, and then she's gonna go? It didn't make any sense. And when I saw that she was added to the opening credits, I was like, okay, we're adding this new interesting character that I want to explore, and then we just dropped it. And I I was expecting her to come back at some point in this season because discovery has yeah. done this in the first two seasons like the people that we meet and potentially lose along the way come back and help us at the very end and i was totally expecting that and it just didn't happen it was disappointing the seed ship was going to come in guns blazing on the viridian <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes I don't know. Somehow, I expected her to come back. I really, I really did, and it was disappointing. Yeah. The thing that, the thing that was, um, what was it? It was introduced in. Um, was it "Forget Me Not" the cello song? The, the lullaby was was introduced in "Forget Me Not," right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Te- technically, the previous episode, but then. But then we heard it on the on the on the seed ship, and, exactly. and we realized that it had been spread around. Right, yeah. and and that's and that's something that you know starts to pop up, and I guess I'm going to have to talk about that towards the end. Um, a- anyway, but like that was that was kind of an issue for me um, with with this episode because like yeah, it was nice to, that we got like a little bit of connection, we got a little bit of continuity with the the lullaby that we were introduced to. But, you know, looking ahead as a season, kind of like David's been saying, I don't know how well that really landed for me with with what happens later on. So it just yeah, you, it, you, you lost a first officer and you gained bad wolf. True. Yeah. 
Doctor Who I, reference. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know what that meant, so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it's it do, it's, it's a do, It's a Doctor Who. He kept bringing up Doctor Who, so. You're welcome. <laughs> but but I, will, I will say, I mean, these first five episodes taken as a whole, I think are really strong. I think it's a really <laughs> strong start to the season. And, and you can see, yes, we have like a mission and a goal and an overarching story, but we're telling basically self-contained episodes, right? And he, okay, each each of these first five episodes is essentially self-contained, and they lead in, they lead kind of into each other and help tell this story. And I really like that. It has a good classic Star Trek feel of you know episode problem of the week, whatever you want to call it. And then in from here, it takes a, a more serialized turn with a big e-break stop in the middle of that, whatever. Uh, but I really enjoyed these first five episodes, and I thought it was it was like I know after these first five episodes, we were all like, you know, Discovery has 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 reached it. It's made it. It's 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 arrived, and it's at this point where they are in their groove. And mm-hmm. and I will say, I, I those first five episodes, I really like them. I really I really really do. I think it's a very strong Same. start to the season. I don't know if we would Same consider here. this the first act of the season, but. Um, I think after this, like the the burn storyline really starts to get annoying. Just, I mean, we keep My, kicking Michael's the, quest. We yeah. just keep kicking the can down the road, like with processing data and like it's just a freaking carrot in front of us the entire time. Which, on one hand, that's good that that we have a hook to keep you know sticking around to find out what we're gonna you know find out what we're gonna find out about the burn. But it's just like. 45, 50 minutes, 30 seconds. And I just wanted something more substantial. I think that it's right about here. I mean, not that we haven't had like burn like sprinkles, you know, like up to this point, but like it just keeps. Burn sprinkles? Burn, burn <laughs> sprinkles. We got There's sprinkling. No we got burn. smattering of burnage. <laughs> well, sprinkling. Sprinkle just that little pizzazzy zazz. Fantastic. <laughs> but like seriously, like we're just we're starting to get like it's starting to get to that annoying point uh, with where we are in the season. Um, just like just that carrot, that carrot starting to you know kick into to overdrive with annoyance regarding the burn. So yeah, for me, I mean, listen, I, I, we've broken down these first five episodes. Do we have to go through each of the next eight episodes? Like individually or can we just talk about like yes each of things them. ad Cause, nauseum because like i'm not sure i want to just like okay this is how i felt about this episode and this episode i mean maybe we can do that but i don't know <laughs> well, i mean give the ratings and yeah you know, sure but i don't, I don't know think if we have hurts. to do it like everyone as a whole <laughs> on its own okay well i mean there, there there's one that i disagree with you guys on i mean i mean unification part three is one that i I disagree. I don't remember what I gave it rating wise, but I do. At, at least I don't remember. And, and I'm sorry, I don't really remember what even Eric gave it. I know that I disagree with Chase on it. But okay. I mean, aside from that, yeah. I mean, what do we have? We uh, scavengers unification, the sanctuary, and then the terra firma love fest. Yeah. So. And then and then and then the three I part mean, finale. Yeah. If if these next what be like maybe these next three episodes scavengers unification three and sanctuary i would call like act two, two. terra firma is like yeah this the side mission and then we have right. like act three with the three-part finale yeah yeah 
What, what, what were the ratings on uh, Scavengers? Not good. So with Scavengers, so with episode six, that was a six and a quarter for me, a five from Eric, and a 6.2 from David. With an yeah. overall average of 5.82. Yeah, so there's a big drop-off, right, from from the first five episodes till now. Yeah, just just a recap, like the first the first five, right, like with the averages. So episode one, 8 point, let's just call it 8.5. Um, episode two, 7.6. Episode three, 7.1, why not? Uh, episode four, 8.1. Episode five, 7.4. So I mean we're yeah. we're still and then in we like dropped se- to five point eight after that. Yeah. Major yeah. drop off uh, for the rest of the season. Well, th- th- this was also the start of the running gag with the personal transporters, wasn't it? Yes. 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 Where, where they all had like their yippy yippy moment in, in the beginning, and you know, oh, we got new tech, programmable nacelles, and you know, all that yeah. good. And, and there was the joke on the bridge, like, um, Detmer was like, do we really need all this new stuff? And Bryce yeah. or Reese was like, hell yeah, we need all this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, like this that was is probably, all... like, the two cap camps that the audience were in. Like, do we need this? Yeah. Hell yeah. I think this is the beginning of my, my sort of crusade against the, um, the awkwardness of the acting between the crew. Like, I, I just, I felt like it got super awkward at a point, and I think this is kind of where I, I started to have those those feelings about it. Because even, like, when we look back when Saru had his, his dinner, it actually wasn't, I mean, it was awkward because they all were suffering from PTSD, but not because of how, or, or not like it became. Like, when we're complimenting Georgiou's cape or whatever, they, they just... I don't I don't I don't know I don't know why but it's like they just forgot how to act or maybe that's the direction they wanted to like appeal to uh and no offense any anybody younger because I I guess I'm getting pretty boomerish I'm whatever however old 30 somethings mid 30s I am now I don't really feel like doing math but it it, it does feel like there is a younger generation now that thrives on cringe like if you just look at like tiktok or or uh new youtube or something there is a generation that sort of just is awkward and i think that even with that like my parents or grandparents probably look the same like our generation we're like why are you why are you doing that why why are you so awkward I, I guess i'm just getting to that point but i felt like some of the crew interactions here going on just felt super odd but you know, and, and I think not to not to overspeak or speak for any of you guys, but I think this is also where we were getting into that. Why can't Michael Burnham follow a command structure? Why is this crew so exempt from, like, the command structure of Starfleet? And why can't we establish that now that they want to be and are a part of Starfleet again? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think this is also the point where we got into. Let's cram an A plot, a B plot, a uh, oh, yeah. C and a D plot, and then an e, maybe even an E plot into these episodes, and and let's just like rush through all of these things, and instead of like taking a twenty episode season to flush out these moments, let's just like 
quickly resolve them. I, I mean, specifically, I'm talking about like the Detmer thing. Like, there was I thought they they I I really felt like they were building that up to something, and it it never got anywhere. And I felt no. like it was resolved way too quickly. And that was something that would have been interesting. And you don't even have to give Detmer her own episode. You can make it a Detmer and a Wusakun episode, like together with the because they're always together up at the front and and it just it, it, like I really wanted those moments instead of so much focus on Burnham and then and then Tilly and Book right well and that that would have been episode eight that what that what should have been the Detmer episode because I agree with you I mean just like I agreed back when when it should have been a Colbert episode eight the sanctuary should have been I mean you have your B plot your whatever a plot B plot plot with Burnham and Book, but then Detmer should have had at least a B plot. And Wusakun, okay, cool, that's fine. I don't really care if you. But she should have been more focally um, pinpointed on because I like those kind of things. That actually has been a formula of Star Trek for a very long time. Yeah. And and then, but you're right. Exactly. The thing is, this. Those first five episodes just were, were so good, and they felt like the start to a 22-episode 20, season. And now it's like, oh, crap, we can't do this anymore. we got to kind of push, yeah. push, 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 push. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. scavengers, meh. And but you, unification, I, I, you got, I, I, unification, you guys, I know we... And you guys, go, had, before, you guys had even asked me... What's that? I just say one thing about scavengers before we go into unification. I wasn't going to go into unification. Oh, oh, I think <laughs> oh, I think scavengers are. has has a very interesting moment where, um, like, um, Burnham has has basically decided screw my orders, whatever. I'm gonna just gonna do what I want. But she can't go alone. She needs someone to help her go rescue Book, and she goes to to Georgiou, Emperor Georgiou, and she says, "Listen, I want." you to go on a dangerous unsanctioned myth mission with me and georgie's like you had me at dangerous unsanctioned mission right <laughs> but but th there's that really interesting moment where where georgie says to her to michael she's like the actions you're taking right now the way that you're behaving right now is exactly the same type of behavior that got your georgie killed and yeah i'll go with you on this mission but you need to understand that this is exactly how you caused Georgiou to be killed. And think about that for a moment before you actually decide to go on this mission. And I really just feel like it didn't land with Michael. It landed with me, and I thought it was very important. But Michael Burnham just somehow, she, just, like, she didn't get it. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know why she didn't get it. I felt like that should have been something that she should have said. I'm like, oh, you're right. But she was, like, so dead set, and, like, I feel like we hit a hard reset on all of her character. And I feel like that's what the show was trying to do, because I, I, that quote from Michelle Paradise, our showrunner, was like, we want to take her as far away from the captaincy as possible before we move her back there. But it just felt like a really hard reset on, on all of her character growth, if there even was any. Yeah, on two seasons worth of character development for her. Well, one more one more thing piling on there that sort of goes into unification, or or the way I think it might have been a better episode for more people. So, Michael, in season one, was led by her upbringing on Vulcan, like that logical Vulcan upbringing, 
which made her make a logical choice, which actually wasn't the correct choice. And it's that it's that sort of um, paradigm between like the the Vulcan purists, like the the puritanical logical Vulcans that are driven strictly by logic. Well, you could logic your way into anything. I mean, you could logic your way into murder. I mean, it's it that's like the sociopathical thing you that certain people can go down and it's like well you take one turn you're you know you're going in a psycho territory but you can reason yourself in anything now i feel like it's not being they, they did that reset where it's like okay well yeah she used to sort of like do vulcan things but now she's hitting the other extreme of like being this super emotional human being and i i and again, I'm, I'm sorry, I do disagree about about unification. I don't think it's a horrible episode because I, I still believe that the confrontation for Michael was there. But I think what would have made it more interesting is if they, or better, maybe better interesting, I don't know, is if they worked upon the theme of bringing her logical side and her emotional side to some center. And that is the unification of her mind, her body, her soul, her heart coming together by going back to Vulcan. And and I think that that's what would have made it. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think that would have made it better or do you think I'm just rambling about that? No, no. I think I think there's a case to be made for that, that, you know, with her being raised, you know, in the in the Vulcan way, you know, with with Sarek and and Spock and all of Vulcan society, it would it would make sense because we we have her being established as cold, kind of like distant emotionally. I mean, very distant emotionally, um, but just very matter of fact. And we've seen the thing that I like about this season is is that non Vulcan science speak that she was that she had been doing in like really season one and partly season two and now it's more of like a natural way of talking and I've liked that a lot like her it doesn't feel like a caricature it doesn't feel weird or it, it doesn't sound weird to me so I think what you're saying I think that would be a very interesting take if we could really have that marriage you know have that that unification of the two like where she can honor her human and her Vulcan upbringings in this new way of sorts um, especially as she goes into the captaincy at the end of the season and what that could look like for season four I think that'd be interesting yeah because she's got to learn to temper it she can't she can't go off blowing factories up and saving the whales man not as captain anymore I mean yeah we're yeah she comes from the Kirk era for crying out loud but listen there's but always time that. to save the whales okay there's always <laughs> time for the whales no no but hold on. I, I, I think the episode unification was not actually about the unification of of Romulus Romulus and Vulcan. Like that was just like like not even part of it. And titling this episode Unification Three, I think, is just the wrong title for it. The whole the whole point of this episode is for like Michael Burnham to be chastised by her mother. Like for me, that's what the point of this episode was. And it just felt it felt I understand it and I understand that like she needs to hear it, right? Um, especially from her mother, right? Maybe maybe not from her mother. I don't know, her mother who disappeared. But I, I don't know. I felt like that was the point of this episode, to get chastised. And that's the start of her realizing, hey, 
you know, I've been away and I've moved away. I keep going back to Michelle Paradise telling us they wanted to move her as far away from the captaincy as possible. And like her mother chastising her. No, but like even with her being demoted, not demoted, but like, you know, stripped of position. Right. Um, And then questioning whether or not she wants to actually be a part of Starfleet and her mother like telling her, hey, you know, you got a taste of freedom, but now you need to like really look inward and feel where and decide where you want to be. Do you want to be away from this or do you want to be a part of this? And I think that's maybe the unification that's happening. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, David, where where she's like she has to decide those two sides of her pulling her away and the one pulling her back and she has to unify the two together. No, and and yeah, I I think that that's accurate. I I guess I guess for me, I, I'm I'm thinking a, li- a little bit less about the the positionary side of things and Starfleet versus, you know, Courier or whatever she's become in her long, long year away from Discovery. I, I you know I like introspective stuff. I sometimes I, I I like I like the inner conflict to be resolved, and I think you could have done Unification three twofold. I think you could have done where you had the the unifying force or at least the the breath the the seed of a unifying uh movement between the the vulcan uh you know whatever the pure logical side the vulcan romulans the romulans i, I think you could have definitely had that unification through the discovery of michael's own <clears throat> sort of shattered midpoint her shattered soul so to speak in between her her vulcan and and human sides but i think that that's maybe that's hard maybe that's hard for a tv show to convey and maybe it's hard for me to even explain because i don't know i think that's more like a book thing in, in a lot of cases uh or or something that should be a little bit more more long form but i i, I will say that, that i yeah, 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 exactly. Or like personal log type of deal. Or like Captain Cisco breaking fourth wall and saying, I am okay with it. But I just, you know, I, I feel like the episode could have been better, but I just, I don't hate it. I, I, I just, I can't find it in myself to hate it, but it's certainly not as good as, you know, like our first part of the season, so. I think one of the things that makes I just, me I just cringe so much that, watching this is that like they give Michael Burnham credit for Spock and all the great things he did. And it's like, like that is just yeah. like stop making Michael Burnham the most important person in the universe. I know she's our main character, but like she is not responsible for Spock. I just, it's not. She, she's not. Well, it, it discredits the the friendship of Kirk and, and like McCoy and the original series a bit. It even undermines a little bit of his relationship with Pike, and and how that would have that relationship because even even with that, you know, there there was something there between them too. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, I'm I'm with you on that. But hey, guess what? This episode did just completely kill the ranking system, man. This is this is when I became an ensign first officer. This is an exciting time for me. I'm proud All of right. you, by the way. <laughs> we we got a plaque and everything that we've been meaning to send to you. You know, you know, like like looking back, 
I mean, when Michael Burnham got demoted, we were all like, well, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And we were like, Lieutenant Nilsen was like, I think we all kept coming back to Lieutenant Nilsen, like, made the most sense because she was the one who took the con in some of those episodes, or, like, Commander Nan would have been a good choice. Uh, but, like, looking back, it, it the only choice from the writing writer's perspective was Tilly, right? From a character development perspective. Like, that was the only thing that was ever going to happen. And, and like... In that very next episode, in, in the sanctuary, if we just talk about that, when she's like now the yeah. first officer for the first time, um, and like we see no growing pains in that very first episode, like like there Saru and her are having their like morning briefing, walking through the hall, and everything's going fine, and then at later on in the episode, like Rin barges into the ready room, he's like, I need to talk to the captain. She's like, uh, let's try that again with a little bit more respect. That's like. There were no growing, and somebody in her position, there should have been some growing pains. But then, if we jump later on, I think David even pointed this out when we got there, and she's left in charge of the ship, like in in when we get to the dilithium planet and um, Osiris is attacking, we 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 see the growing pains there, and and it it you know it makes a lot more sense there. And so I don't know Tilly as a first officer. I don't like Tilly as a first officer. I think it's a it's a dumb dumb mistake and I don't know if she's going to be continue being the first officer as we move forward or not I think it's a dumb decision right just dumb yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised if she still is but I mean I mean when we saw them all in their new uniforms at the end Tilly's got the blue on right which is not the command fun fact fun fact she originally was in red but they went in in post and made it blue. Oh, so oh they really? To, are, they, are they trying to throw us off then? Oh. Mm. I, I don't know if they're yeah, trying to throw us funny. off, but that's legitimately what happened. Like, well, she notice, was notice, wearing Command Red, I, and they, yeah, they, they photoshopped it, whatever, blue. Well, you notice at the wow. end, the only person actually wearing red is Michael Burnham. Like, we see Stamets is wearing blue, which makes sense, because he's not, he's not the engineer. He's a science officer, right? Tilly is wearing blue. But hold on, I hold on. Always but hold on a second. So if you actually go to StarTrek.com and you look at um, the Discovery crew and like and everyone, Stamets is listed as chief engineer of Discovery. I've, I've never considered him as chief engineer. Like in season one, he Me was just either. he was he was working on a science project on that ship, right? Because Discovery was a science wow. vessel. And even in this season, right. when Re when Reno pops back up later, right? And and he even made that joke. Stamets made that joke. He was like. Where have you been? I haven't seen you I haven't in seen forever. you since the beginning of time. Yeah, and it was like an yeah. inside joke, like how we're talking, like, where the hell, where did she go? But, like, when she pops up, she's talking, and she's saying, why are you stealing all of my power? Why are you rerouting all of my systems? And she's acting like the chief engineer, and she's a commander, or a lieutenant yeah. commander, so she has a really high rank, and so I've always thought of her, like, I guess she's the first, she's the chief, chief engineer. But, like, anyway, so Stamets is wearing blue, which to me makes sense as a science officer. Tilly is wearing blue, which to me makes sense because she was always like, you know, Stamets' assistant, right, working on that project. Um, you see Reese and Bryce in their red, in their in their yellows, which makes sense because they're tactical and and um, uh, communications. Which Uhura was always wearing the the red, which at that point was you know was not the not the command, but like Hoshi's mm -hmm. wearing blue, so we'll I don't know where that goes. Mm. Um, but then like. Awusakun is wearing yellow, which makes sense. She's operations. That was Data. 
But then Detmer, as the pilot, is also wearing yellow, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like, because the pilot should is be the red. command color. She should be she should be red. But Burnham's the only one wearing red. It's my point at that at that end scene, which is like jumping way ahead to the end. Which and, and one thing I was going to point out, like whenever we were talking about who the heck is going to be, um, you know, next in line to be be the XO. I mean, if you look at it from a naval perspective, and, and again, this came up in a conversation I was having the other night, um, the, the operations officer is almost always like the de facto second officer. So if if it was a Saru, Michael, Owusukun kind of thing, it would have made sense for Owusukun to step up as the next in, in the hierarchy to be the first officer. In a way, we, we, we kind of see that in the mirror universe, her kind of being that number one psycho supporter type of deal. Mm-hmm. So, but I, again, and unfortunately, uh, I, I do not dislike any of our characters. I just don't know a single darn thing about any of them. So I can't, I, I mean, bring in future Lieutenant and get her to do it for all I care. Cause I mean, at least, you know, she's like a future lieutenant. That sounds fun, but I still don't know anything about these. The only one I, right. the only one that I really care about her future is probably Detmer. I actually really enjoy her character, and I and I and I think that that's you know, if you would have given her an episode, I would have been very happy. But Bryce Reese, I, I don't I don't know those two dudes. Yeah. They're just two dudes. Uh, I think. One thing I think that they they could have um, not to always compare it to past Trek. I know I do that, but I think if they would have taken a, a page out of the Voyager handbook, right? Like you got to bring the crews together, like Federation they need a and new Maquis, character. right? So like well, Lieutenant Willow, this future book, lieutenant that, that we keep talking was about, supposed to be a new character. Isn't that what Adira but, is supposed you know, to be? He's read and all the he wanted, he's he read wanted all the to be in Starfleet. He wanted to be in Starfleet, but then kind of friggin' Saru just kind of dismissed him, like, go read a manual and get back to me in the morning type of thing. But, you know, we have we have Lieutenant Willow that that is is the the executive officer, assistant person, whatever she is, for for the Dadmiral, and it would have been a, a perfect, a perfect thing. Like, you're nine hundred years in the future. We just gave you new goop that's infiltrating every system on your ship now. How about I am, am the first officer because I know a thing or two about being 900 years in the future and you don't. And, and we I, need and that know, continuity in the I, same I way know, that we need, we need Starfleet, we need Maquis to come together. And I know the political situation of the future too. I know, exactly. I know the landscape out there that you don't. So like I'm going to come in and I'm going to be your resource and help you and you can all come to me and I can, I can make this transition much more smooth. Well, and also, if you wanted to do the old classic Admiral Foyle uh, plotline, she would be a direct conduit to Vance. So, if anything, I mean, again, if you wanted to do that, because that's always some, I mean, that's something that we see a lot. But if you wanted to do that, you could have her very early on, like, reporting to the Admiral. And then maybe they figure it out. Michael figures it out, and they don't trust her. But then they they have to trust her later. You could build an entire story out of that. Mm-hmm. 
but it would make sense. But like to your guys' point, it makes a lot more sense because she knows about everything here. She she's directly tied to Vance, so the political side, the procedural side, the scientific side. But they do they need one they need a new person. Like season four, they need a new person to come in there, either have Vance assign this person or find them or whatever. But I mean I like Book. I really do. I wish he fit in a little bit better. First officer, uh, <laughs> what a conflict you have going there. Oh, the uh, captain and first officer are romantically involved. If you don't, if you disagree with me, then we're gonna have trouble. No, no. Have you bo- seen the bo- Orville? Have you seen the Orville? <laughs> <laughs> no. but like, but like, like, book does not work as a Starfleet officer. Book works as like. The Garrick, right? The guy who who who's yeah. a little shady. He's got connections. You can, if you need to go on an off off book mission, right? Like that. I don't know. That's <laughs> like, you need an off book mission, right? I mean, like he's the guy you turn to because he can do some shady stuff. And like if if, if something like goes how wrong, you, I like how you always go come for back on to you. Yeah, I, I like how you always immediately go to Garrick because we like Garrick much more love, when in actuality what we're actually saying is he's a he, is he's a Neelix. Is he a Neelix? Uh, yeah, okay, like I'm just sure. Because he, he, he is kind of like. But we that, all like, like Garrick way he more. Is the, he is that like dweeby guy on the side <laughs> who can be kind of annoying, right? Sure, I can see how he could be like Neelix. He's helpful. But in yeah, I always I like Garrick, so that's why I keep going to Garrick. Yeah, I know that planet. Sure, I know all the people there. <laughs> I saved a space worm there. It was great. But a simple tailor. <laughs> all right. Well, we just got we just talked a lot about unification. Like we kind of got stuck there. Maybe a little bit of sanctuary. So let's let's maybe do a drive-by fruiting for these next ones. Okay. So sanctuary. Sanctuary, um, I gave it a six and a quarter. Eric, 6.75. David gave it a five. Terra Firma, one and two. You ready for this? So um, let's do Terra Firma one. So Terra Firma one was a 5.7 from me, a three and a half from Eric, a 4.2 from David. Okay. And for Terra Firma part two, um, I gave it a five. Eric gave it a four and a half. And David gave it a four. And it's 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 crazy how it worked out because both of these had um, each episode average based on what we gave. Both ended up at a four point five. Both of them start. ended up at I, a four point five. I want to start because this is my reaction. You can't see it on the podcast if you're listening, but oh my god! Yeah, you're okay. So we don't, we don't have to talk. I know. I know this is painful. That Eric, this is. I know this is painful. <laughs> I know this is a safe space, so we don't have to talk ad nauseum about this one. Just no, no. I, I do want to say do what you got to do, man. So like, so like, we got we got this season week at week by week, one week at a time, right? Which is like, I I enjoy that because I enjoy getting to come here and talk with you guys about this every week, and and I, that was probably the best part of of season three of Discovery is being able to come here and talk with you guys every week, but like. On streaming services, lots of times we get the entire season dumped on us at once, and we can just immediately hit next episode. And there's some episodes where you're like, okay, how does this episode play on a week-by-week basis, and how does this episode play on a binge? And sometimes you think, well, 
then maybe this episode doesn't work on a week-to-week basis because it feels like you're just slowing down and not going anywhere. And I feel like there's a couple of episodes in The Expanse, season five, which if you love science fiction, you need to go watch The Expanse because it's amazing. Um, but there were a couple episodes in season five that I'm like, this week weekly format probably doesn't work for these episodes. But if you go back and binge it, right, this episode, you could if just hit next episode, you're like, okay, it's fine. It's a fine episode. And so there's always that interesting quality of how is this episode going to play week by week or binge format. And, and I specifically wanted to think about um, Terra Firma Part 1 and Part 2 in this context of binge versus week by week as I went back and rewatched it. Because I rewatched it, I, I, it took me two days to rewatch this thing as a whole, right? Um, and I was like, is this episode going to be that bad, right? Because when we originally watched this, it felt like we just pulled the e-brake. And we just, any type of momentum that we had on, on like, finding out the cause of the burn was just came to a grinding halt. And I was like, and after part one, I was like, does this have anything to do with the burn? Or is this just a way to get Georgiou off the ship? And it turned out it had nothing to do with the burn. It was just a way to get Georgiou off the ship and backdoor pilot her into this Section 31 series, which I'm not even really interested in seeing, honestly, because, like, whatever. But that's, that's a conversation for a different day. So I was like, how is this episode going to play? Is it going to be better if I can just hit next episode right away? Because at the end of Terra Firma Part 1, it doesn't feel like a cliffhanger, right? It feels like when you end Terra Firma Part 1 and go into Terra Firma Part 2, it feels like a commercial break. It really does. But this episode is still bad. Still bad. It still is like sticks out like the biggest sore thumb ever in this season. It just does not fit whatsoever into this storyline. It, it's like, what are you thinking? Just stopping for two full episodes to tell this story that has nothing to do with the actual story. And if you would have done this, you could have done this in one episode if you wanted to. You easily could have done this in one episode because it just feels like there's padding on the front and the back, right? It feels like we have 15 minutes of padding on the front and like 10 minutes of padding on the back to because they wanted to do this in two episodes. But like in two 45, 46-minute episodes, whatever, you could have easily done this. Give us five minutes to set up the situation at the beginning, give us five minutes for closing at the end, and give us 45 minutes in the middle and do this in one episode. And I don't think it would be as bad, but this, this, this is, this is not good. And it really, really does not fit in this storyline at all. They were bad episodes. Yeah. I mean, they were, they, it was, it was two episodes. It should have been one. It was not well done. It was a, glorified awkward send off of a character that probably shouldn't have even been in the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense, I kind of like Georgiou. I just she she didn't really have a, a staunch place here and you used um the 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 guardian, you used an old character to give um older Trek fans a yes moment and then you dumped a pile of crap on it. Uh it just it, it, it just wasn't me- and, and I gotta say I that's that final goodbye was so Cringy. awkward it was the weirdest thing ever it's like are you I mean what even what even is this 
is this how you were directed to act? Or is this like, I don't know. It, it was weird. And yeah, I mean, th- this, this could have been the first 10 minutes of an episode. I, I <laughs> like even rewatching it like then and now I was still like doing like the kind of, kind of thing. Like where I'm like covering my face and I'm kind of peeking because I'm just, it, it was so, it's so cringy. Like the cringe factor is dialed up to 11 in this episode. And, uh, and I like how we're even calling I, it this episode, not like these, these episodes. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> Terra Firma one and two. I mean, it's, it's one story just dragged out. So, um, we, we, after this, we have, we oh, have the oh, three oh, part oh. finale. So, so hold on before we, before we move on. Cause I'm, 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 I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay. David, oh, David mentioned, he was like, he was like, this was a awkward two episode send off for a character that probably shouldn't have been here. And I feel like, like going back to season two or episode two, episode two, like when Georgiou's only purpose in that episode was to antagonize Saru, right? That was her only purpose in that episode. And I was like, if that's the only reason why she's going to be here in this season, that's going to be the only thing that she's doing, then we should have left her behind in season two. She never should have came to the future. And then in episode three, the only role she plays in episode three is to antagonize Saru. And I'm like, please just don't let this be her and Tori's storyline to antagonize Saru. And then we get to episode five where we meet the Federation and we meet our mysterious David Cronenberg character. And then we see all these weird things happening with George. Ooh, is there something nefarious going on here? Did, did he do something to her? Did he brainwash? Did, what, there's, was there something going on here? Because it felt like there was so much more to this conversation that we didn't see from them. And we were, I was like, okay, maybe this could be an interesting storyline. But then, nope, nothing nefarious. Nothing happened there. He didn't tell her anything like that like crushed her mind she was just you know out of place in time and universe and so it was like what was the point what was the point and I, and I guess I guess the writers and producers think that this is like a really popular character I have no idea like everybody that I've ever spoken to says that George is not a, a, one of their favorite characters and maybe the writers think that she is a super like fan favorite character that um needs to be given a two episode send off and like I, there was no purpose of, of Georgiou in this season like I know we gave our least valuable player our most underused character I mean I feel like Georgiou maybe should have been in that discussion because like she didn't fit in this season and and like David kept saying like Georgiou died right Georgiou died in episode two of season one right maybe we should have just left her there let people die let them die and, and I gotta say, also, at the very end, they're they're having this, like, to- toast send-off or whatever, right? And everyone's, like, singing all the praises of Georgiou. And I'm like, that rings, that, no, that man, moment you... rang so hollow, right? Everybody on that ship is like, oh, Georgiou, she was so amazing. No, if I was there, I'd be like, listen, that woman was a bitch. She made, my li- she made my life miserable, and she put this ship in danger by... <laughs> contradicting the captain all the time and just antagonizing him and 
good riddance that she's no longer here because I feel safer on this ship now that she's gone. Mm-hmm. So uh, that moment rang so hollow for me at the end where they're having like a wake, tribute, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. In, in the in the interest of time, um, just like we just kind of did a drive-by fruiting with Terra Firma 1 and 2, I kind of want to maybe do the same thing with our three-part finale, even though it's it's unofficially a three-part finale, but it is. Um, so looking at Sukal, there is a tide, and that hope is you part two. Uh, one giant story. We, we find out about Sukal and Tilly being in charge, losing the ship, and then the stuff that happens in the final episode, and gelato at a space station. Um, what a way to end. So let's talk Let's talk ratings. So Sukal, um, overall episode rating based on uh, our ratings, six and a half. There is a Tide is a 7.1, and That Hope 2 is 6.6. Uh, and what that looks like for individuals. So starting with Sukal, um, David, you gave it a 6.4. Eric, you gave it a 6.5, and I gave it a 6.65. Uh, there is a tide. Um, David and Eric, you gave it a 7-2, and I gave it a 7. And for the season finale of That Hope 2, um, David and Eric gave it a 6.5, and, and I gave it a 6.75. So, I mean, we, we're, we're ending. The, the, I think Act 3 of this season has a much better, a slightly better end than, um, or better rating than the second act did with what we saw with Scavengers, Unification, Sanctuary, and Terra Firma. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, those I, were just garbaggio. I think that we were all speculating, like, we all were speculating what is the cause of the burn, right? I know back in, like, the fall, the summer, or whenever the trailer came out, we're like, ooh, are they going to link this to the Omega Particle, right, from Voyager? I think that was a lot of people's big um, big thing. And then a lot of people were like, hey, is it called The Burn because of Michael Burnham? Like, did she cause it? I think we were speculating when she went through the wormhole or when she sent the, the Red Angel suit back in time. And then when we learned there was another ship in this nebula, we're like, ooh, that hat, that ship. I was, I was one hundred percent confident that the other ship in the nebula was the discovery from that short trek, which we're told are canon. We're told those short treks are canon, right? And you know, I was convinced of that because, you know, we get the the voice, the same voice, the Zora, the sphere data, and we were all speculating on what caused this. Was it some kind of science experiment that went wrong like like Vulcan or Navarre who they thought they had caused the burn through something but and I think there were a lot of maybe interesting stories they could have told there with any one of those but I think the direction they went there's not a single person in the world that wasn't in the writing room that could have expected this to be the story they came up with right I mean not a single person in the world that was not a part of that writing room that could have guessed at this storyline and I think I think that means it's a bad idea because no one could have expected it and I don't I don't I understand like thematically what they're going for with this this monologue that Burnham gives at the end about connection and disconnection and 
and how that fits into like the world we live in with you know we have the internet and social media where you can connect with more people but that at the same time disconnects us from people because it's so impersonal and this one moment of disconnection like radiated outward and people no longer were able to connect with each other i get that thematically and i understand that thematically and i think that's a good theme and they could have played on that theme but the way they did it i just the whole galaxy has to pay a price because some kid lost his mom like it it doesn't work for me well and and it doesn't connect i mean it, it it dismisses unless I miss something like just boldface you know miss something, but like the lullaby doesn't even really connect like with what we were being teased earlier on in the season right like I mean you have to do some like gymnastics to maybe like extrapolate okay well maybe the way the the resonance and the the meter and the whatever in, in terms of like whatever he was yelling or shouting somehow transformed into this lullaby something that people interpreted as whatever they interpreted as that that's a major gymnastics a major gymnastic action that you're having to do with that and it's just like just we we have the we have the connection thing like this is and, and like the lack of connection we're continuing that disconnection action I, I, I was I got the impression it's bad lull- writing the, that the lullaby came from uh, like the distress signal not not calls like outburst I don't know what well whatever it was it was just kind of there like yeah. nothing it just didn't connect what whatever it was yeah how, how would how would children have a lullaby and then also it it's a cello piece from a completely different civilization. It's bad writing, and it was a stupid end to something that could have been much cooler. To be honest with you, I'm actually kind of surprised at the ratings. Um, I didn't want to watch these again. They were still pretty fresh in my mind. I had no interest in, in re-watching. Um, I actually have a worse opinion of the f- final couple episodes. Like, you know, how we were kind of in the beginning. I was like, oh, maybe it could have been a little higher. I think I just I have I have zero emotional connection to any of this because the story was such a letdown. Mm. I don't care about a Kelpian child who grew up on a Dilithium planet, and y- you can explain that to me all you want. I think it's stupid. Um, I like the visuals of your MC Escher uh, planet or uh, holodeck. I thought that was kind of neat. Like visually, it was cool. Um, and even the, the, the sort of the uh, fairy tale-esque uh, kind of learning experience that he had to go through to deal with the death of his, his the, the crew and his mom towards the end. Like, storytelling, well, I mean, okay, that's cool. But the explanation for the burn was so lame. It was such a lame ending. And, you know, there, there was even a part of me that kind of wanted Osira to be able to stick around because I kind of I, I don't know I kind of even liked her a little bit uh, in a way too um, and then what what scares me about a season four is what is going to be their foil because mm. effectively they've cut the head off the chain do we continue with the chain do we have a new enemy you know what I mean 
does, so, does, the chain, does the chain fracture sort of like the Imperial Remnant, right? Now you've got little individual mm-hmm. warlord-esque people instead of a, like a cohesive right. we unit. We have the bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> I still think that I still think that's a cool name for for uh, for like a bad guy syndicate. The chain, the emerald chain. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Lack of character development. An unsatisfying ending to your what we at all supposed to be our main driving storyline with the burn, um, and then you just you just shoot your main bad guy. Still not convinced she's dead. Sorry, boys. I still I'm not convinced yet. Uh, but well, no, those emerald chain phases have, so have two settings. They have kill and vaporize. Right, those are the two settings on those. Like, there's no stun <laughs> setting. Hey, I don't know. Maybe she has some sort of blah 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 blah. blah. I don't want to come with science terms today. It just it, it it's fine. She she I don't know. The chip wall helped her out or something like that. Stop spoiling my dream of having like a like kind of a cool nefarious bad person at the helm of everything. <laughs> Who just survives being shot like, in the face? Listen, listen. There is no Gold Ducat in this show. There is, there is no person like that ever coming back. There is no person like that ever coming back in Star Trek. You are never going to get that, const, that constant foil who sticks around forever, and no matter what you do, you cannot get rid of them. Like that's not coming oh. back. Stop trying to make that happen. But I wanna. <laughs> no, the cot is like one of the greatest characters ever. Like we're not getting that ever again. <laughs> no, I know. Well, let's let's take a look at this, guys. Um, I know not everyone can can see this, obviously, but a little little graphical representation of stuff. Um, so I mean, we can see like the gradual dip, uh, maybe a minor uptick, and then kind of coming back a little bit um, looking at our, our individual rating averages over the season um, David your your individual rating average was um, a 6.6 Eric um, came in at a 6.4 and I came in at a 6.7 so I think I, I think I'd stand by a 6.4 6.5 for the overall season and I think that's mostly carried on the strength of those first five episodes and then I think like okay. yeah. the whole the whole diehard um, the whole diehard homage ripoff whatever you want to call it I don't know at what point do you go from homage into ripoff but I I think that was very a fun episode right but yeah I think mm-hmm. very strong start very bad middle and just a kind of a a meh like ending. With the caveat that your explanation makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. Yeah. 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 I'm. I. I think that that score, that score is pretty accurate. I just, you know, I just wish they would have continued with the formula they had in that first half of the season and just carried that through. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the six point seven. Um, I mean, I, I kind of wish I knew what I was rating, you know, season one and season two, so I knew kind of like how I would have viewed those. 
But I mean, like a six seven. I mean, that's that's a D. I mean, that's that's a D right there. That's a sixty-seven percent, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so you brought it up, and this and this is something that I wanted to talk about, and I don't know if this is the time, but like, how do we view season three in comparison to seasons one and two? And and I know there's like this theory out there that Star Trek is never good in seasons one and two. And it takes until about the third season for it to, like, really get into gear. And I know I, I've, like, disputed that. I, that I, I've disputed that claim. I think the original series has an amazing first season. And I think Voyager's season is, first season is very strong. But I understand, like, you know, the Next Generation seasons one and two are not very good, right? And it takes that third season, which mm-hmm. is the third season. That's when Rick Berman comes on as the showrunner and the executive producer is season three. People, I know people malign Rick Berman, but I think... Without him, I don't know if Star Trek would be around these days. Um, and then, you know, Chase, you've always said it's like the middle of season three of Deep Space Nine that it really gets interesting for you. And I think there's some good episodes in season... It, look, seasons one and two of Deep Space Nine are not great, but there's some good episodes in there, right? And it does definitely pick yeah, up. Absolutely. Right? Voyager, I, even though I think Voyager has a strong first season, I definitely think it gets better as it goes along, especially into season three. And and I know, David, you said you're not a fan of the Zindi storyline, but I definitely think Enterprise picks up and gets much better in, in seasons three and definitely season four is its absolute strongest season. And those there's some clunkers in the, in the first two seasons. So, like, how would you compare Discovery season three to Discovery seasons one and two? Is it is it now hitting its groove in that third season, that theory? Um, is this a better season than se- this is the best season of Discovery, or did you like seasons one or season two better? I mean, for me, it goes two, one, three. Oh, really? Best or best ors two, one, three. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Okay, because because yeah. I, I would say I think season two is is the stronger season. I think season three started out very strong, and everyone. Well, was, the, the, that that's what I'm saying. That from yeah. from, from best to worst, so. Choose the best once yeah. middle. No, no. I, what I'm saying is, I think, I think, seeing okay, just make season sure. three started very strong. Those first five episodes, and I think everybody was like buying into this theory. The entire internet was like, "Hey, you know, hey, first two seasons are never good. Now here we're in season three, and it's 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 getting a lot better, especially after that first episode, which was just a big improvement over what we had seen before. Oh yeah. But then it just it this season lost the plot, and it it totally fell apart for me. And I definitely, definitely, for me, I think season two is the strongest season. And I think that has to do with Captain Pike. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. I think that actual captain in the captain's chair, somebody who is a captain and is not like, you know, Saru, who started out strong and fell apart at the end as a captain, you know, and, you know, we had evil Lorca in the, in the middle there, you know, who wasn't really a captain. But I think... I think season two for me is definitely the strongest part, and it has to do with that actual captain presence. And I, I would say season one is garbage, in my opinion. Like that's just my opinion. Like, I yeah, I would, the, I would. I would rather. The, watch. I think the storyline of of, of Mirror. I think the storyline of Mirror, Mirror Lorca, and the whole story. It's not even about the Klingon War. It's that the Klingon War is just a total red herring, and it's about a coup attempt in the Mirror Universe. And that is just a, that's worse storytelling than what we got here, as far as I'm concerned. I have more enjoyment watching uh, season two and three than I do uh, with watching season one. Um, I, I like I like season two because of Pike, with what you're saying, Eric. But the 
for me, like, the, the Red Angel thing just gets tedious, kind of like the burn stuff does for me. Um, so, like, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, when, when it comes to two and three, I mean, I'll, I'll take either. Maybe two by a nose in terms of, like, preference. But I'm, I'm not a fan of one. Um, not with the California Raisins, the Klingorks. Um, not, not a big fan. So, um, well, I guess that kind of, that kind of answers like how, how we kind of, you know, look at the seasons and, you know, did it grow its beard? I mean, that's, that's kind of like the, the statement that's out there. Did, did this Star Trek show grow its beard? I mean, cause like, I get what you're saying, Eric, and you know, we, the whole beard thing, growing the beard, you know, with, with next gen, like that's when things maybe started getting better. You know, when Riker came back from being babyface to being, you know, bearded and how that translated even with the uniform change in, in season three, how things got much, much better. Um, so do we think that it grew its beard with season three or, or not so much? But grew more would, like a tweedly mustache. Yeah, like than a beard. I... It, it, we had this ability to do a hard reset, right? Jumping 900 years in the future, we mm-hmm. could have done a hard reset, and it looked like that's what they were doing before. And and I, I'm just wondering: is this show ever going to be what I want it to be? And I think the answer is no. No. Like I don't think this show is ever going to be that, you know, journey of the week ep- type type structure. I think it's always going to have the overarching plot which is fine i guess because like D- deep space nine did that and it was it's my favorite but it still ha- it still told stories on its own and, and i think I, I don't i don't know if we're ever going to get the character moments right and I don't, we're never going to build story around detmer or wusakun or any anybody like that it's always going to be about michael burnham it's always going to be about her and so I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this show going forward, and it, it, it's just. I don't know if it's ever going to be my thing. Okay. Yeah, I mean it. It's hard to tell. Um, I really, I really enjoyed season two. I thought it, you know, it hooked me, and then you know, a couple episodes here uh, felt pretty good, and then just kind of felt like the rug was swept out from under me um and now we have you know captain burnham no defined characters of the crew um who knows about actual first officer there's just no definition and that is a weird thing for a trek uh show to have yeah so, I don't know. I, I, I really, I really don't know if this'll, if this'll be, be a show I really care. I mean, I'll watch season four, but I, I don't know if it's one that'll go down as something that I want to rewatch. Right. Right. 
the, and maybe this is kind of a segue into the future of Trek, but, um, you know, we've been watching this on CBS All Access, and come um, March 4th, uh, CBS All Access is going to be rebranded to Paramount Plus. And a lot of the marketing up to this point has really, um, in terms of Star Trek, has focused more on the Pike series with Strange New Worlds than it has on showing Burnham, Saru, and the Discovery folks. Um, or even Picard aren't, or anyone. Aren't, those are narrated by Picard, though, aren't they? I feel like I saw I, one of those commercials and it was narrated by... I think they by, are. ...by Patrick yeah. Stewart. So, I think that maybe maybe the future of Trek, you know, as it relates to Pike and Anson Mount and, and all that, um, that maybe we will get some of this stuff. I mean, David, you, you pointed out that you've, and we're all in the same age category, that, you know, we're from that generation where we feel kind of in between the things. Like, we know what it's like to, to have the old with the new. I mean, I think, to be fair, like, a lot of generations are like that, but, like, technologically speaking, and, like, how things have advanced with our generation, it's very much true. And, and especially from storytelling. Like, we grew up in, like, a golden age of television, right? Like, with x-files star trek stargate sg1 like if we're talking like you know sci-fi type stuff of course i mean even even disney stuff was was like at its prime with us growing up so um so we'll, we'll see i don't know but we don't have any more um we don't have any more content uh for or new content for a while in terms of like star trek shows to be able to to rip apart and to you know either dump all over or to sing its praises or maybe a combination of the two not for a while at least um think uh prodigy is supposed to come out later this year um lower deck season two is supposed to come out this year and maybe a very very slight maybe with um end of the year for strange new worlds so so this this is my last question because i know we're running long here what do you think is the next show that will come out do you think it'll be lower deck season two prodigy season one Picard season two. What what do you think is the next thing that we're going to see? Part of me thinks maybe. I mean, I'd be guessing at this point, but maybe summer, probably Prodigy. I mean, I think that would make the most sense with Prodigy being in the summer, and then probably doing like a. Like right after that, rolling into um, Lower Deck season two, you know, like in August, September, kind of like they did before. So. And then I guess my other question is, Lower Decks premiered last year on August fifth was the first date. So over mm-hmm. or, or over or under August fifth for the next premiere date. So like over would be sooner and. Under would be no. Under would be sooner, and over would be later. I mean, I'm probably gonna go. I'm probably sticking with like the later type of thing. So after I know, I know that. uh, Yeah, because I know that. um, um, Kate Mulgrew has was interviewed. And so they've already wrapped recording and production on season one of Prodigy. And I think that when they were interviewed uh, with the Lower Decks crew on um, 
ready room that they were just getting scripts and starting to record. So that's kind of my justification with that. And that they're about to to uh, break on doing um, season two of Prodigy already. So she kind of let the cat out of the bag, by the way, on Prodigy season two, which I'm okay with. So what about you, David? Do you think over or under August 5th for the next Star Trek? Uh, uh, I, I, I think it's really hard to gauge when anything's going to come out now because, you know, everybody in their COVID stuff and, and everything's been pushed back. But, I mean, it's animated. I mean, like, Lower Decks is animated, so I don't necessarily... People record in their homes for some of those type of shows. So. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not it's not impossible. Um, but there again, in my in my neck of the woods, uh, the whole High Republic stuff for Star Wars was pushed back, and I'm sorry, it was for no good reason. But I think they did it because of, it was more of a sales maneuver than anything else. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be later. Personally. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right, gents. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you, everyone in uh, in listener land, for voyaging with us today, as we uh, as we recap and go all um, disco-y on um, on this. I'm not gonna play the disco music. I'm sorry, y'all. Maybe in post. I'll probably put the disco music in post. Why not? Um, but um, did did your ratings stand? I guess that's the real question. Did they stand for maybe how you would have rated them when you're watching them week by week? Did they change? Did you give them high, give them a low? Um, what are your predictions on Lower Decks and Prodigy? Let us know. Uh, get in, t- in contact with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. TRTVpod.com. Uh, we also have some sweet merch. Uh, I've seen some folks um, buying some some shirts, so thank you for supporting the show that way. Um just check it out, teespring.com, um, and our shop is up there. We have links on our Facebook page and our group, um, also on the video versions of these podcasts. Um, and take a picture and snap it to us. We'd love to to see you, you know, showing off the swag. Love that. Um, if you do want to get in contact with us, you can do that by going to, um, again, TRTV Pod, and there's the Handling Frequencies page. You can also um, get in contact with us on all the socials at TRTV Pod. Uh, if you do want to... Just send us an email, trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. Now, finally, if you want to send us your ratings, you know, beam them in to the Lone Star Station, you can do that. Just make sure they're fresh, not rotten tomatoes, okay? Don't like rotten tomatoes at all. They're stinky and nasty, and they get everywhere, just like sand. Um, You can do that by um, entering coordinates to P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. As we leave here today, may you always remember... What was I supposed to say? Was I supposed to say something? Oh, may you always remember to boldly go and to make it so. Bye, all.